Emotional Cripples is an entertainment podcast which contains frank discussions about mental health. Listener caution is advised. Hello, welcome to episode two of series two of Emotional Cripples, a podcast about male mental health. I'm Andrew Lowe. I'm Tim Tucker. And um, yeah, it's been quite a while since we since we uh, since we did an episode. So sorry about that. Well, I mean, I've written two books since well, the last yeah. episode. You've written one. Yeah. So I suppose we've, that gives you. Busy. I suppose that gives you an idea of why there hasn't been mm. an episode for twelve months. But um, mm. <laughs> that's a long time. But, yeah. <laughs> but so it's not really a bingeable series, this is it, Tim? <laughs> no. You've like. You just have to. You, you could probably give it a couple of years yeah. and then binge the lot, couldn't you? Like binge yeah. all four yeah. that happened in that those two years. Yeah. So, but you know, we're back. That's what counts. We, yeah. we made it in the end. Yeah. We were. There's <laughs> so, a lesson in there somewhere. Yeah, we did. Um, so, so this episode, we, we're going to talk about um, perfection. Yeah. Uh, and why you know striving for perfection uh, is a bad thing. And can be a bad thing. Can be a bad thing. Yeah. It's a marker for. Uh, you know, mental health issue, mm. and um, so you've been talking to uh, Chris a, Ward. a man who's written a book about it. Yeah, Chris Ward. I interviewed for this podcast episode. He's um, got a in- really interesting history in marketing and PR, and worked with Comic Relief and various other organisations. And um, his book, Less Perfect, More Happy, is the centerpiece of my interview with him. Where's that book available from? Sir? It's available from Amazon and yeah. other book retailers. Thanks right. for asking. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, so perfectionism. Before we start, um, this one one thing that um, it's a really good interview, and one thing that Chris does say uh, what, that really struck with me is this idea of um, striving for if something you can't really enjoy something because you're striving for it to be better, or yeah. you're thinking, well, this is good, but if only it was. Mm. you know better if only it was perfect you can't really you never uh, get there yeah. yeah and that's all I think that's that's kind of a problem maybe it's this idea of sort of beating yourself up a bit about anything oh, you definitely. do that's because I noticed that when I play football if I have a kind of a bad game I just think okay next game I'll, I can, I'll do better and I move on quickly but I notice when I have a good game and people say to me oh you played well today nice one or something then there's still a little bit in my head that's going yeah, but I could have been better. Yeah, and and it's that um, there's a bit of, there's a leap there, isn't there? To just mm. being able to take praise and accept that you've just had a good experience. Yeah. Instead of uh, all the other shit that piled insta- up. Yeah. Instead of sort of you know souring it by thinking yeah, but it could have been better. You know you yeah. you need to you need to reach a point where you can just enjoy something for what it what it was rather than what it could have been. You know. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, I've I've had similar experiences where. I tend to focus on the negative things rather than the positive. So mm. exactly, I play tennis and I'll have a good, a reasonably good night, but I'll be thinking about the thing I did wrong. Yeah, so is it kind of a problem with negative thinking? Or, or I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I mentioned it to another friend of mine about this interview and he said, oh, perfectionism is not a mental health issue. Mm. That's bollocks. Yeah. You, know, you usually get that back, right? And um, uh, But we talk about it in the interview and you'll hear um, how it has been classified as such. It's, it's like you said in an earlier episode, mm. if something becomes a problem, an obsession, yeah. then that's when it becomes, you know, perfectionism yeah. in itself may not be a bad thing. Yeah. It's um, like the idea of anxiety, isn't it? You can be, be anxious about crossing a busy road. Yeah, thinking, that's oh, good. I don't want to get yeah. hurt by a car. That's, that's keeping you alive. Yeah. But if you're anxious about everyone you meet, you see in the street when you're walking around then that's irrational yeah. 
that's sort of anxiety that's that's ruining your life in a way it's negative kind of, impact it's running your life yeah, yeah so that's a negative impact but definitely yeah so yeah um and here's tim talking to chris ward chris do you want to describe who you are and what right. you do hi tim <laughs> hi chris <laughs> i'm a father of four i uh i'm what am i now i've done lots of different jobs mm. um i used to manage bands then I started an agency mm. uh, managed to sell a, ma- a marketing agency and ended up as a creative director at Comic Relief yeah. and I spent the last 10 years in the charity world working on big campaigns which has been amazing so working with Children in Need or yeah. Nelson Mandela Foundation and for the last few years uh, with the United Nations on their global mm. goals yeah. and then in between I've uh, ridden my bike obsessively hard um, <laughs> Yeah. breaking some records on it and entering big races and stuff Yeah, and have my four kids and, and so my life yeah, yeah a bit of a mixture of different things and now you're obviously you've, you've authored before but you've just written this book Less Perfect More Happy yes. which is just launched this November yes, at the end of just November now. yeah yep. um and what's interesting about this, I, I was, you know, privileged to be part of the, the sort of gestation of this in a way because I saw some early drafts. But it's it's a really interesting take on this because you go through your own life and how you've found out more about yourself in this respect, but also lives of very prominent people who also exhibit traits of um, perfectionism. And it might not be something that people understand as a mental health issue. I mean, no. it's something that perhaps took you by surprise. You yeah. know, and we'll talk more about how the book works later. But, um, yeah. but how, how, would, um, you know, how recently has it been recognised? And, and to what extent has perfectionism itself been recognised as a, a um, mental health issue, do you think? Um, well, as you say, most people still don't recognise it at right. all. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's still that ironic question of what do you consider your sort of worst trait if you were coming for a job interview and people say oh I'm a bit of a perfectionist a humble brag yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it is and that's I don't know it's yeah I had no idea at all I, t- yeah. I had an epiphany moment essentially mm. um, where I was going to write a book I wanted I left school with nothing yeah um, I wanted to um, I managed to achieve a lot in my life and I, I wanted to help and inspire other kids who left school with nothing at all. I worked, my first job was in a shop for three years yeah. and that they could still achieve. And so I literally, I, I, was sit, I went away to write. I'd had a book out before mm. and so, I, you know, it was natural for me to do another book. Yeah. So I, I went to this little hut in, a beach hut in Bournemouth in the middle of winter, amazing place, nicely centrally heated, nice shower, amazing, and just you and the beach. Yeah. And I managed to get a, a really cheap booking there for four days and I thought I can't crack the idea of the book how yeah. to inspire people mm. and, and in fact I think the initial title was how to be lucky right. and um, <laughs> so I looked into this and I thought how did I become successful because I was useless I thought I was useless <laughs> at school I, mm. I had no confidence at all my school report said I was doomed to failure how, how on earth did it happen so I looked yeah. at it and I managed to get a job at the BBC from this shop yeah. just working in the record library putting records on shelves hmm. and then uh, and so when I went I was really nervous obviously I was useless and this was the BBC here in London yeah, yeah. and um, and then looking at it in hindsight I realised that I'd I'd made sure I just spoke about music and I did it as well as I could and so I became the best at doing that job in the record library putting the records on shelf I was the fastest and I knew everything about music and I just kept conversation to that and I realised that that worked people liked me for that yeah so I realized there was some sort of perfectionism in there yeah and so then I sort of and that was the I knew I was a perfectionist at work from that 
point generally. So then I started, while I was researching, look up perfectionist, and then came across OCPD. Right. And that was the epiphany moment, reading the description of what OCPD yeah. is, which is Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder, yeah. which has been recognised, I yeah, think, since the, the 90s now. Right, yeah. But no, but no one's ever heard of it, and now we yeah. have a mental health epidemic of it. And it's essentially, it's perfectionism, but all the traits you need to make your life perfect. So you right. need to be controlling, yeah. uh, you're, you have all or nothing thinking, you mm. only do something if you think you can make it perfect. Mm. Uh, you think you're right all the time because you consider every variable before you make a decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, so you think it's other people who've got the problem because you're naturally right. Yeah. Obviously you're obsessed about whatever task you're doing, you're often distracted by that so you can't uh, interact with people close to you, yeah. you find you struggle to interact with anyway so mm. all these I thought this is me this right. is entirely me it really rang and, a bell uh, yeah. yeah completely yeah. and in fact just instantly in that one moment it yeah. explained I knew as, as I said a perfectionist at work I knew I'd had arguments my wife would split up twice about yeah. the same things mm. um, and I knew I was doing everything to prove to my dad I was good enough and uh, I knew those three things, but I didn't know they were completely tied up. They're all related to OCPD. Yeah. So it's a personality disorder because essentially it mm. means, and what perfectionism really is, is that by the time you're 18, and that literally is the clinical view, by the time you're an adult, yeah. you believe you're not good enough in some respect right. for some reason. Yeah. And there's no, the biggest reason would be is actually identified as parents splitting up when you're young and in some way you might blame yourself for that and think I can make everything right again if I'm perfect, uh -huh. you know, might, in, in a horribly depressing way to think about how small children think like yeah, that. Yeah. But that's, that's how you feel as an adult still and obviously I came from a 70s upbringing with my dad who was very arm's length yeah, um, in his yeah. love. We can all relate to yeah. that. I can, yeah. <laughs> he certainly, yeah. yeah, he wasn't going around cuddling me saying <laughs> I love you son, come on. Yeah. It was like, he would, do, he would read us a story if we were good or tell us off if we were bad. Yeah, and, right, yeah. Yeah, and he was yeah. never there. He was on his bike or in the shed or working like every dad was meant to, how he was taught yeah. to be a father. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't, you know, I've got a nice little letter that the doctor put through my door on the night I was born because he couldn't wake my dad up because my dad was asleep while my mum was giving birth to me. <laughs> so my dad had a big day at work the next day. Yeah. So why, why would he yeah. hang out being awake while I'm born? Yeah. So that was, but that yeah. was typical fatherhood at that time. And I, and so that's what OCPD is for, mm. and we can come back to the reasons yeah. but um, yeah mm. I knew I'd set out I was obsessed about proving I was good enough yeah, yeah. and then and so that's how it's and that resonates so and then you found out resonates. it was, it was um, it's not the same as OCD as I, as no. I recall is it it's, o just, it's a different kind of context to that yeah OC it's got more in, in common actually with Asperger's in a way in, in oh, the way right. that people struggle to to communicate with other people because right. OCD you know you have OCD mm. other people know you have OCD mm. and you know it's wrong essentially and you would rather not have it and you try to overcome it right. whereas OCPD mm. you don't know you have it you just think you're right everyone else has a problem <laughs> right. literally that's yeah. literally the clinical view you don't know you have it essentially uh, so, okay, yeah. and so it's so misunderstood it's been classed as the most misunderstood ever mental health right. epidemic wow and, and mm. most of all by the people the sufferers themselves who yeah. you know just prepared to argue prepared to be right not knowing you know I, so I was arguing mainly my wife about the way we should bring up our children <laughs> right. ev but mm. not 
as a general, just specific. I think they should eat all their dinner. She didn't think they should eat all their dinner, but my dad would have come down on me on a ton of bricks if mm. I didn't eat all my dinner. And that's how I felt I should be with my kids. Otherwise, he won't be proud of me and he won't love me. Right. This is all going in your head that you have no idea. And there's very little compromise in you. There's zero uh, yeah. compromise. Right. It's, yeah. yeah, it's all or nothing. There's yeah. no gray area. It's yeah. right or wrong. Which you can see the recipe for disasters yeah. in relationships yeah. <laughs> yeah. with colleagues Completely. with yeah. colleagues with friends with loved, yeah. loved ones yeah yeah, yeah, all, yeah. without mm. any understanding I'm mm. you know there's no figures to show at all but I'm convinced there's, there's hundreds of thousands of divorces due to this right. without understanding mm. why you're arguing yeah, um, yeah. and we tried lots of different counselling which is in the book different yeah. types of different people mm. and no one ever mentioned perfectionism or OCPD so it's, yeah. It is so little understood. It's how I think you can mm. see a breakthrough starting to happen now because obviously there's lots more conversation about mental health. Yeah. So therefore, this should, mm. you know, a get wrapped up in it for the first time. Perfectionism yeah. gets wrapped up as mental health problem, and I can see it quickly rising to sort of the top. It, judging yeah. by the reaction on my book, people identifying yeah. the sort of characteristics in themselves or their partner or mm. their children. Even yeah. you know, I was anorexic. Um, right. As a child, which yeah. is, which I couldn't tell anyone because I was a boy. I can't, no. No, I yeah, can't yeah, that's worry about my weight or my yeah. size as a as a boy in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a key mm. part key of part, uh, perfectionism. Yeah. yeah. When I understood how prevalent OCPD and perfectionism was in my life, yeah, I sort of was identifying different moments, different stories when I'd shown behavior or thinking related to it yeah. and realized actually this is through my entire life. And, um, mm. and so I've structured the book as chapters, the chapters are yeah. ages from the age of four through to my fifties where every year mm. I've done something um, that was either a, uh, was a cause of perfectionism or was a symptom of my yeah. perfectionism mm. and so each chapter is a short story of something that happened in real life yeah um, and it's I very was... relatable in that way I found yeah great well, yeah thanks that was the idea as well is that mm. each chapter is uh, is a life stage as me yeah. as a father or as a, a newlywed um, mm. trying to make friends uh, trying to be an entrepreneur trying yeah. to race my bike each chapter is a, just it mm. should hopefully make people yeah. Um, sort of see it easier, see yeah. easier where the perfectionism applies to them. Right, because of the certain, maybe resonating with some mm. of those things in their own life stages. Because each chapter and each life stage is, uh, is concluded with the sort of collated views of clinical experts as yeah. to what is the symptom or the trait that's at play in that story. Mm. And, and you went about finding examples for each chapter of people who we may have heard of, Victoria Pendleton, people, you know, people yeah. in sport, people in, uh, you know, how did you, I mean, are those people who have been diagnosed or just show traits that um, they have uh, similar? They're, um, they're people that have happily contributed to the book. Yes. So they've often been uh, self-diagnosed right. without, you know, so you're, you know, so my research is interviewing perfectionists to start with and then yeah. you put cyclist perfectionist it doesn't it doesn't yeah. take long to get to most cyclists at the top end of perfectionists yeah. and most people in sport are perfectionists yeah um so either self-diagnosed or 
um, or in a lot of the extracts are from biographies where they're telling stories relate, which I can now relate to their yeah. perfectionism, mm. which they didn't necessarily relate to at the time. The Victoria Pendleton one mm. is um, is literally the opening page of her biography, right. and it says that her dad used to take her cycle training when she was 15 up mm. the same hill every day, wind, rain, shine, snow, whatever it was. He would go ahead, and her job was to keep up with him, and her issue was he would never look back he would never check if she was okay she Mm. just had to race up this hill and the last line of the first page is all I wanted him to do was to turn around and tell me he loved me right and she's still chasing that and Mm. that is that is at the core of what perfectionism is yeah trying to prove you're good enough right Um, yeah and you obsess about it and she had gold medals and and that hasn't been enough for her she immediately went into horse riding racing at high level and then she's tried to climb mount everest as well so yeah it's, it's still continual that striving, isn't yeah it? yeah other can you mention remind me some of the other people you've uh, uh in sport is bradley wiggins yeah steve jobs who is yeah, uh, yeah, yeah a notorious perfectionist mm. and so the stories from his family and yeah. um how they decided to buy a fridge it took them three weeks to decide how and why and what variables to consider to buy a fridge and then there's actually more sad stories from his daughter who he uh, said wasn't his for the first 15 years of her life and Mm. then there's her story of how she played a role and how perfectionism played a role in that right Um, yeah so there's there's, uh, Brené Brown the uh, top author about her um yeah, perfectionism and her in, the anxiety it causes because you you just need to be good and perfect all the time, and mm. so people are not able to show any vulnerability. And vulnerability is considered a failure. Yeah, and and especially in men of our age as well, which our fathers very clearly told us vulnerability, or is maybe a sign implied of it. Yeah, because yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I'll come to this in a minute because. Like so many examples of mental health issues, I recognise some of them without being maybe a full-blown perfectionist. Mm. And I don't know where, that, where there is a grey area. But, but before we go to that, it's interesting that you say this in the intro, but, um, you know, obviously to some extent, being striving for bettering yourself is a positive yes. thing, right? So how, you know, where is the point? How can we recognise a point where we might have be having an issue with it, if you see what I mean? Yeah. Because well, as I, yeah, as you say, as I say in the, mm. almost the very start line of the book, trying mm. to achieve perfection uh, because you enjoy the journey or you enjoy yeah. the re- potential rewards of it is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I find myself back in that place now. Mm. Um, whereas perfectionism is doing it because you're obsessed above your relationships right. to prove you're good enough. Yes. You know, it's not about enjoying the journey or the rewards. It's about proving you're good enough. Right. And that's, that's, a that's good where place you, to, yeah, you cross over. Yeah. Um, and... You don't, necessarily, you don't necessarily know you're doing it to prove you're good enough, but you certainly know you're not necessarily doing it because you enjoy it or the rewards. Oh, it goes well you beyond You feel an enjoyment. obsession. Yeah. <laughs> it's an obsession, and mm. you are clinically obsessed about doing something. And you mentioned in your describing the condition, as it were, that mm. people don't, are unaware of it. Do you think mm. becoming aware of it is part of the way through to getting... Oh, completely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to overcome or to mm. manage it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you say it can't between. be overcome, yeah. didn't you, in your book? Yeah, and, and um, <laughs> is that true? sometimes I feel I, ca- I have mm. in certain areas of my life. And, yeah. um, but I think the, best, the most amazing thing is actually called a book about perfectionism finished. So <laughs> yes. maybe I have overcome it because most perfection, there's very few books on perfectionism because mm. no perfectionist <laughs> can ever call it finished. Right, yeah. And I managed to do that. Mm. But um, yeah, understanding, realising and understanding is the biggest 
yeah, uh, completely the biggest moment. Yeah. And the same with any problem. You can't yeah. deal with any problem until, until you, you recognise that you have a problem. Yeah. And, but that's also the, the biggest problem with perfectionism because most people will still not recognise it as a problem. They recognise these symptoms mm. that, uh, that could be a problem but not relate it back to OCPD and perfectionism yeah. yet. Yeah, and and it, there's also something that really resonated with me when reading about. I think it was a quote from the BBC that was saying it's particularly relevant to our time. Now I know it's been recognised for some time, but mm. there's something about the the pressures on young people today, yeah. perhaps that makes it particularly relevant. Can you speak to that? What, yeah. what might be the case there? Do you think is it? Well, it's sort of you know, and when we talk about it often people say oh our kids have social media pressure and academic pressure and advertising mm. pressure but they really do yeah you know I'm old enough to remember a life when like my school my school reports were terrible and so mm. so the interesting thing about school I left school thinking I was useless but in hindsight I wasn't useless I just had chosen I couldn't make my school work good or perfect so I just didn't try at all right. which is what perfectionists do if you can't do it perfectly you don't want to know at all, at all right. you move on to something you can be yeah, yeah instantly yeah. move yeah. on you make that decision early on or it's yeah. too embarrassing to even try so you don't try That's at really all yeah. um, but school pressure now to get grade A grade 1 grade 9 Mm. whatever it's just ridiculously you know high level pressure and that's 36 hours a week of a kid's life of like grade A and everything and, and you know yeah. we've seen now suicide numbers in students is, is mm. rising for the first time again in six years and that's yeah. you know, and we have a story in my book of an 18 year old girl yeah. dying by suicide that was a couple of years ago wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. a skier uh, yeah. is that yeah. Right? yeah yeah um, so the pr- because she felt she let people down at yeah. the age of 18 and, mm. and she's in the, she was in the GB snowboard squad and, mm. and, it, and the death of students is often the most high achieving students because their perfectionists have driven them to high achievement and also driven them to this fear of failure yeah. so there's academic pressure then there was advertising you know mm. again it used to be about products products were you know good or bad and you chose then they became brands with personalities and I was part of that in my marketing mm. And personalities were always cool and irreverent, make you run faster or, right. you know, whatever. But now, obviously, those brands compete, compete, compete to the highest level. So now it's all about providing you with perfection. You'll be the perfect human if you buy our product. Yeah. And um, so that that's all advertising. advertising. And yeah. then social media, obviously, we're now, hmm. you know, our children are connected to the most, the, not necessarily the most successful, but the, mo- the richest yeah. people on earth and they compare themselves with them all day every day so it sort of amplifies that peer pressure do you think to yeah, a level completely. beyond yeah. how it was so before, uh, you know yeah. I talked to um, mm. there's uh, women, women uh, helping young children even in nursery level who won't do something because of the fear of embarrassment of, yeah. of failure of it and, mm. and that's even at the age of four and five you get to mm. you know a 12 year old and if they do something wrong, with a touch of a button, all of their friends know about it in, yeah. in a split second. Mm. It's just ridiculous. And it's from in your bedroom as well. It's just yeah. so hard. So it's very timely to talk about perfectionism now because it, it feels like it could get worse or at least be more prevalent as a result of some yeah. of these factors in society and social media and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Without a doubt, it's getting worse and will get far worse. I do. I yeah. see it, and and it wouldn't surprise me if it became generally known. It is the mm. sort of mental health epidemic of the 21st century. Right. We could, you know, obviously we could cope with it before it went through this this questionable phase, whether it's good or bad, which a lot of people still go through. Yeah. But now, it, you know, it's. Be- 
bad, more people recognise it. I, I get sent mm. more articles, I get sent more depressing stories of young people, particularly, yeah. as I mentioned earlier, anorexia, because that's, mm. you know, in young people, it's the last thing you can control. You can't even control your own bedroom anymore because social media infiltrates your bedroom, but you can yeah. control your weight and, um, and right. you know, make That's, that yeah. perfect. It's the last thing you can sort of make perfect. Yeah, and, you know, it's ringing lots of bells. I have, a, um, you know, teenage children, and, um, you know, they obviously they use social media to sort of demonstrate a perfect life yeah. or a, a life that looks attractive yeah. you know and because that's how they that's how they view success through those channels yeah. isn't it and I think that might be how it plays out managing it then yeah. so understanding it is one phase of that you talk yeah. in your book about how to deal with things it's not just a, a life story or a description of the problems you also talk through some of the things you can do to manage that yeah yeah is, is there any tips you can give on a sort of headline level of what what people can do to start improving yeah. this condition if they recognize it was well, that say the first if you feel you struggle in in symptoms related to perfectionism what I've been talking about it really, mm. you know and I've got a, literally a 12-step program in in the book yeah the first, obviously understanding that is the first yeah. stage and then really it's finding out where did that come from why do I not feel good enough honestly mm. with yourself and I knew mine was my father and I um, right. and I explored that and, yeah. and my dad became ill and died sort of during that period and we did have an amazingly the most close moment we've ever had when he died oh, that's, that's which great. was ri- mm. a, you know obviously helped me in terms of overcoming it I knew that he did always love me he was just like me just crap at showing it yeah and yeah, um, yeah. but you know I, and mm. those things I found out more about him so one of the big things massive thing that helped me was just finding out more about my parents than I'd ever known before in my life. Okay. It was like the most important history lesson of my life. That yeah. my dad, who was this, you know, hard person who just worked, had actually been made redundant twice and that had been kept from us. So no wonder he was stressed when he came in the door and told us off for mm. no reason. It's because he had no job and was looking for a job and this was a time when people weren't made redundant. Right. So just learning about for me, learning where it sort of came Some from. Of the sources. And it really for mm. me it dropped away. It like ov- obvious things dropped away is a parent will often always show their kids how to do something slightly better. Or oh, you don't want to cut the bread like that. Why don't you cut it like that? Or squeeze yeah. that orange like that. Or whatever, any little thing. Mm. And I just felt no need to do that anymore. I didn't need yeah. to correct them all the time. Right. Just little things like that you notice You became yourself. conscious of moments where you would be Yeah, I would have that. been, yeah. yeah. My yeah. dad would have, it, you know, without me yeah. thinking, it would have been, that was the way I was shown how to do it 50 yeah. years ago. That's how they need to do mm. it. But the biggest change in my life has been um, the arguments of my wife, who we're happily married after 25 Amazing. years. Amazing, well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> twice got back together. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's really knowing where both our arguments come from. That yeah. My wife had similar pressure on her to be the perfect mother. Mine was to be the perfect sort of man yeah. and earn money and, mm. and not show emotions, whereas hers was to be the perfect mother. Mm. And so we clashed the one place we clashed is on the upbringing of our children and, but yeah. now we can see it entirely we can see it and it's just such a relief that you can understand that yeah. yeah and so that helps it again disappear just disappear over time and it's inspiring to know from your book and from what you've said that you you feel like you can manage it you can be still achieving you can still yeah. push to do things you published a book you know you've got yeah. um but not let it become unmanageable and obsessive yeah is that right yeah yeah I mean, that's well, a lesson before, i got well, 
As I say, it's, uh, the obsession was for validation. So I did mad things on my bike for validation. Yeah. And my dad rode a bike, so it's not a surprise I rode right, a bike. that's where it came from, yeah. But, um, but now, like I'm talking about doing another big bike ride, potentially mad, but actually doing it because I would sort of enjoy it or I might enjoy coming near the top, coming in the first few finishes yeah. and so that and it's very different way of approaching it like literally the thought process of before I had to do it because I knew that a thousand people would like it and I could write an article and I'd look like a top cyclist now mm. I'm actually just interested in doing it itself and yeah. enjoying the process itself um, it's really important and I think you know one of the things I also got from you highlighting people like Steve Jobs and um, you know Bradley Wiggins is we do put those people on a pedestal don't we so yeah. there is an assumption yeah. that the right way to be a businessman is to be like Steve Jobs or the yeah. right way to be a yeah. you know is that something that needs addressing by media by yeah. you know well it's, as I mentioned in the book it's you know we're, we're praising people who essentially have a personality disorder and we're encouraging mm. them to to keep that going not that we know that and that's the way we've been brought up and yeah. it's the way society is but yeah you're exactly mm. right we're praising people who are struggling like mm. you know the quotes in the, you know that they succeed and in sport now it's become impossible to succeed without being a perfectionist which means obsession obsessing mm. um, and putting all the rest of your life um, behind, has no part to play and that mm. that was the after my moment with my dad and he died I still had a world championship final to cycle in and I was cycling in that in Australia looking around literally on a motorway doing this race with like 200 cyclists I'm looking around thinking I don't want to be part of this anymore all these people are stressed and lonely and obsessed about their bike they've got nothing else in their life like me and I I don't want this I just Mm. don't want this anymore I couldn't compete at that level Mm. But, um, but sport that level and we've seen a lot of death by suicide in yeah. sport at that level and and it's often the people that are not in the top five or the top ten that you don't hear about that have struggled yeah. their whole life is like trying to be like Bradley Wiggins who succeeded but still struggled whereas mm. people that are not in the top ten re- have really struggled and you see it I mean I'm a, fa- a tennis fan and you see it where people burn out or they go through yeah. injuries that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives just to keep yeah. keep them putting that yeah. pressure on themselves yeah, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully raising awareness through this book. So, um, you know, tell me, um, just, you know, make sure the listeners know, the book's called Less Perfect, More Happy. Less Perfect, More Happy, yes. And available um, in all good bookshops and Amazon, obviously. Right. So yeah, it's, it's available now. Um, is it in hardback or is it going to? It's uh, an illustrated edition. So there's two uh, booklets with it. One about um, uh, trying to overcome or deal with perfectionism hmm. specifically, and then the other one is actually a concept called friendfulness that actually the overall answer to all this as you said society um, is pushing this to become worse more mm. we're more isolated we're more obsessed it's harder to be successful anyway mm. and um, but the answer to this really is us coming together as community and just listening to each other as imperfect humans we were yeah. never meant to be perfect right. and now we've driven ourselves into this position where we always have to be right mm. it's why I think this election was always going to happen but it's the most depressing election ever everybody is right and yeah. no one's listening to them so yeah. we've got whatever 56 million people 65 million people all saying they're right and no one's listening and it's horrible hmm. and, um, and I'm hoping this might be a point when we realise we don't need to answer that demand for perfection all the time we don't need it we weren't made to be perfect so schooling yeah. advertising social media you know as, as we hmm. both know there's a lot more 
mental health conversation. There's a lot more YouTubers are now coming out and being honest about yeah. the other side of their life. They don't show you. Mm. It, it crops up more in biographies where people yeah. are not hiding it anymore. Mm. So you hope there's less shame around it, isn't there? There is yeah. a lot less shame. Mm. Yeah, and you yeah. hope that um, that that just keeps going, and that's yeah. the answer. Us, you know, realizing we don't need to compare ourselves to anyone, and we don't shouldn't be judging each other, and yeah. that's what we've been taught to do essentially for the last. 30 years at least and it does feel like it's reached that point because there, there surely is a point in perfectionism where you as you rightly say throughout mm. you can't be perfect so it's an no. obsession after something that can't be achieved yeah. Yeah. so the only, there has to be a point where that's re-addressed isn't it and um, hopefully people yeah. can do that personally but this is a great step forward Yeah. so yeah we highly encourage you to read that book okay so really interesting interview as mm. with all as I mean I, I, I was while I was doing this interview with Chris I was thinking am I a perfectionist and I definitely relate to bits of that without a yeah. doubt uh, you and I were talking about our experiences with sport for example where yeah. we might try and you know never feel satisfied there's definitely aspects of my life where I've let my my striving to be better yeah. uh, dominate over other to, to an unhealthy degree but I probably you know it's like all these things there may be a spectrum I think one of the things that I found interesting is that I definitely could learn from that experience and improve parts of my mental health even if I'm not a full brain was it OPCD or yeah, yeah. Um, maybe and that's, that's one of, yeah that, whatever yeah. Um, but that's one of the things we've learned from all of these isn't it I, I mean I don't think I've got Asperger's but when we did when we talked about Asperger's I definitely learned things about myself that could be um, you know I could reflect on and um, and you know, learn from. I suspect that, as we were saying before, there's lots of little elements of mental health issues that, as a pick and mix factor, we have little mm. bits of them. Everyone has little mini dysfunctions and things, but yeah. it's when one of those mini dysfunctions becomes expanded, yeah. amplified for some, for whatever reason, you call it a mental health problem. Yeah, he says bit. it's when it becomes obsessive, didn't he, Chris? Yeah. And um, I think when something becomes an obsession, that's a problem. The, the other thing I thought was interesting was that he, this mental health issue um, that he's talking about is actually not um, inherited. It's not something, yeah. you know, is actually fully formed by your late teens, I think. He yeah. Said. And um, so, there, you know, that's, again, something to think about, especially if you are younger or you're bringing up younger people. Yeah. And one of the <laughs> things that he said that was really interesting was when he was saying about his, I think he was talking about his son or cutting some bread or, or saying, oh, oh yeah. give me that, I'll show you how to do it better. <laughs> and um, that that's definitely about um, wanting to show that you're you've got things sorted isn't it wanted to show that yeah. you're you're fully formed you're an adult give it here i'll show you how to cut bread you know I'm, yeah. i know how to do stuff like that i'm i'm a man i'm, I'm sort of <laughs> and i'll pass quite, on my manhood to i you. mean this is you know we do try and focus on male mental health and i think that is definitely a male thing yeah to want to say give it here you're not doing it properly mansplaining mansplaining i'll show you how to do that I've, yeah. <laughs> I've I've been around the block when it comes to cutting bread. Yeah, <laughs> just give, give me that knife. Or leaning over somebody while they're trying to work their computer and actually doing it for them. Yeah, <laughs> that that's really that's definitely a male thing. And there's yeah. somebody I play football with who is very much like that. Who yeah. you know clearly the mm. the big market for me when I play football is when I find somebody who says, "Oh, I used to play at uh, semi pro level," you know, and that's immediately <laughs> going to have a problem here. You know, this is this is we're going to have some kind of moment. Where they go, oh, let, me, let me show you how to do that. You know, just take your first touch, do this. Yeah, and that's fine. Obviously, if somebody is seeing seeing something and trying to, you know, say I, I can, 
give you a tip here, I can improve you, you know. Mm. It's a real fine line, isn't it, between the mansplaining. Yeah. Thing. You've got to be very careful about should, how you do should that. Should you, I mean, I'm always too polite in that situation. We've got, like, I play with a bunch of guys that play tennis, yeah. and there's, always, there's a couple who are a bit like that, who are a bit like, I'll show you. Uh, should you polite, politely point out, uh, no, mate, it's all right, I'm, or should you just let it go? Because I always let it go. Yeah, I do. I do let it go, because I think what... Um, what I want, I'm always, I always want to be improving. I think, did he mention about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always want to be, whatever I'm doing, I, want, I have that improvement mindset. I always think. Um, mm-hmm. I was listening to another podcast with, uh, where Johnny Wilkinson was interviewed. Oh, rug, right. Rugby yeah. uh, celebrity, Johnny Wilkinson. Yes. And he, he was terrific. He was really good. And he said something really powerful, I thought. And she said, uh, always be arriving, which I think is incredible to oh, think about. Good. yeah, yeah. Because I think that really is related to this perfectionism thing. Definitely. Because you, what he means is this idea that we can get to a point where we're fully formed in that thing and mm. we're, we're done. Um, and that's quite, that's quite a disturbing idea, really. Yeah. Because he said, you know, he, won, he, did every, he achieved everything he, could, he wanted to achieve. That he won the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was the hero. Uh, he played for England. You know, he set a lot of goals when he was a kid. And mm. I mean, goal setting. We'll talk about that in another episode, probably. Yeah, but, yeah. but, but generally, what he was, where he was, what he was doing was identifying a destination mm. where he wanted to get to. And once he got there, then he was, you know, he would think, "I've done it. I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm fully formed." But the problem is, what then? Yeah, yeah. And he found himself. He was basically. I think he became depressed. You know, after that point. Because he didn't know happen. where to go, you know. It was mm. the old Alexander the Great thing about yeah. he wept because he had no more worlds left to conquer. Yes. <laughs> so you sort of you mm. can see what you mean if you get to a point where uh, you think that's it, I'm perfect, I'm I'm yeah. done with that thing, I can't get any better. Mm. That to me is a really bad place to be in. You know, well, and this is the problem, isn't it? Finding the happy ground between because clearly the the downside of his perfectionism that Chris was talking about and others that he interviews is that. Um, you are constantly striving because it is impossible to be perfect. So, yeah, so there yeah. will never be a, a point. So it's whether you're comfortable, I, th- I think, whether you're comfortable with the idea that you will never be perfect. So you keep striving with, not with the idea that, um, that you'll ever reach anything. And, and, you know, if you did reach there feeling depressed, that's another downer. But it's a, there's a cult at the moment, part mm. of me worries, there's a cult of, uh, as he talked about, of kind of looking up to people yeah. who have this problem, yeah. you know, um, where their constant striving becomes something to emulate, you know. Yeah, and, and if you have, yeah, there are lots of people, you know, we fetishise money, don't we? We fetishise, yeah. we, we success. define success as, yeah. as wealth, as the accumulation of wealth and, and yeah. uh, status and all of these things. And so, and obviously he talked about social media and that is a good point in terms of, because I look at my Instagram feed and there's a lot of people on there who I personally admire for, you know, for what they've done or mm. what they've, you know, for various reasons. But they're obviously people who have a lot of money because of what they've done. Yeah. And so their lifestyle is much mm. different, you know, much yeah, more yeah. elevated. And you can imagine looking at a lot of people would, would look at that and they would they would find that incredibly difficult because they would think, well, I'm never going to have that kind of a house or I'm never going to have that kind of a life or... yeah. Um, and there's always someone who's going to have a better house and a better life than you. Yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. It's yeah, never going to end. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. I think we talked about Alan Watts before, haven't we? The, mm. the whole idea of him seeing seeing life as a dance rather than a, a sort of yes. one from one thing to the next, from one thing to the next. Yeah. You know, bigger house, better car, better job, mm. bigger salary. Because you get to a point where you go, 
okay, I'm here now. That's that, what it is. And yeah. what his point is, like Johnny Wilkinson's, isn't it? Always be mm. arriving. Don't yeah. try to don't try to think. Once I get that thing, I'll be oh, happy. Yeah. It'll be perfect. I'll be. You're I'll fooling be yourself, and yeah, not doing yourself any good in the process. Yeah. So yeah. maybe what Chris is talking about that the whole idea of the of the um, uh, OCPD um, is when you haven't quite you you haven't got to that that realization yet mm. that um, yeah you just have to you're a work in progress and you always will be uh, yeah. instead of saying right I am I I've worked mm. out how to cut bread and anyone who cuts bread I, I like am the benchmark <laughs> I'll yeah. show them how to do it and it, and it does <laughs> I mean it doesn't only impact your mental health it impacts all your relationships as he says like he's split up with his wife a few times over it um, yeah and you know you can imagine. But he said, he said he couldn't work out what they were arguing about, didn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. like, he couldn't... And he's yeah. brutally honest in the book. I read the book. Um, he, he's brutally honest about some of the impacts he's had on people he's worked with. He's, yeah. He sounds like, like he would have been... A night, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, a, a nightmare to work for or with because he yeah. had impossibly high standards. He'd never, he'd never say, well done, mate, because it, it, nobody ever reached his view of perfection. We've all known people like that. You yeah, know, and it, it's not easy to be charitable to somebody who's treating you like that, is it? You don't think, oh, poor bloke, he's got a mental health issue. You think, what a git, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you but know. I think it's focusing on it's it's what you focus on is the key. And you know, when I, we talk about this a lot, and I coach youth mm. football, and yeah. I coach fifteen-year-old boys, and they're very, you know, they're quite a very yeah. interesting stage of their lives. They're yeah, kind of yeah. basically young men, mm. and so you know, they're working things out, and you see it at a very raw level with them. You know how they respond emotionally to things yeah and um i think it's really important to focus on the positive yeah. in terms of look at what they've tried to do in a, in, a, in a game of football particularly you know talking about that as an mm. example but and and not not look at what's gone wrong with it but try to say okay what you can do better next time mm. if you you know yeah. if you did that is this because then you're coaching not criticizing the criticism doesn't go anywhere it doesn't help no yeah. so it's kind of like saying um but that's the fine line isn't it yeah between uh you know being if you work for someone who's set those high standards it's fine having high standards mm. but it's how you uh communicate, that, communicate yeah. them and apply them yeah you know, and how you both reward and appreciate it i think yeah giving, giving appreciation for that is, is key isn't it if you're a manager yeah, and I think coach. it can tip into bullying. It can tip yeah. over from showing you demanding a high standard yeah. to uh, um, to being communicating that in a quite a bullying way, yeah. quite a harsh way, rather than encouragement hmm. and um, you know just try saying let's let's try and improve. Yeah. That makes sense, I think, particularly in sport where it's just quite emotional and in the moment. Definitely, yeah. And people, there's going to be a lot of mistakes, and people not everything's going to work. Hmm. Um, because I hear it all the time when I play football, people go, do the simple thing, try keep it simple. Um, whenever someone tries like a, a clever three ball or something, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't work, you know, you get yeah, few people get up. people get in the backs and go, don't do that, do, do the things that are more likely to work, like easy things, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you just think, well, I, I understand that, but you're never going to sort of um, accelerate mm. your improvement if you just do the stuff that you always find easy, are you? No, you know, you've got yeah. to try. To reach yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and that, that was the crux of my, the start of the interview where I asked him, and he says right at the beginning of the book, it's absolutely 
fine and positive to reach beyond your mm. you know to go for something better than yourself that's yeah. fine it's 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 just there's a point where it becomes an obsession there's it's dangerous i yeah. think we all need to be aware of that in all aspects of our lives and we are am i you know because i know i was a I was a professional musician for a short time early in my life and um, yeah. a lot of I was held back by the idea that I wasn't as good as I wanted to be yeah. you know I would uh, and writing it took me a long time to write because I thought I can't write well enough right. you know and, and so sometimes it holds you back doesn't it that idea of like he said um, he was crap at school because the moment he realised he couldn't be perfect at school he just threw the whole thing out yeah. you know? that's all or nothing approach, yeah. you know? that's, that's definitely dangerous, you know? that is the all or nothing thinking mm. isn't it as, yeah. he, as he, he mentioned where if you, you know, you, the fear of failure, you know, yeah. becomes so powerful mm. that you think, well, if I don't yeah, no participate, yeah. then I can't fail. Yeah. So yeah. that that's leads that's, to very many dysfunctional, you know, decisions about absolutely. relationships, jobs, challenges. And not, not getting to do things that you enjoy, maybe, because yeah. you feel, oh, I can't be perfect at it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the key thing is enjoyment in the moment, isn't it? Mm, and yeah. Like I was saying before, I, 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 I definitely have an aspect of that where if I'm doing yeah. something uh, and I could be on a beautiful beach somewhere, you mm. know, and it's just a stunning location and the weather's great and I'm with the people I want to be with and, mm. uh, you know, I'll think, oh, this would be better if I only had this book or this yeah. particular thing or better trunks <laughs> yeah. yeah you know I, i'll find the thing mm. that if that was better the experience would, would be, be better, better. even though a bit more better yeah, yeah so it's definitely <laughs> negative mm. it's sort of it's a real tendency to air towards the negative yeah, yeah. that i think can become out of control i yeah. can see how that could become out of control and end mm. up that you just can't enjoy anything no because no. you're just thinking it's not perfect yeah yeah yeah, okay, so be less perfect. Um, yeah, and we're certainly, and more happy. We've been doing a great job of that for the, yes. uh, the last, <laughs> not doing an episode for 12 months. So, so join us uh, next episode, which will be uh, in less than 12 months' time, uh, probably next week. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about the year that's gone and the year that's coming, um, which is looking like an interesting one. Yeah. So see you next week. See you next week. Emotional Cripples was devised and performed by Andrew Lowe and Tim Tucker. Designed by Stuart Bache. All music by The Weathermonger. If you have been affected by the issues in this podcast, uh, you can call the Samaritans in the UK on 116-123. Or if you're outside the UK and Ireland, check out befrienders.org. You'll find the link in the show notes.